Labor Day seems a lot like what we taught about all summer related to Sabbath, doesn't it? Taking some time away from our work just to reflect and think about those things. And so I would encourage you tomorrow as you spend Labor Day with your family, with your friends, as you take some time off, take a moment to really reflect on how God's blessed you throughout the year, the things that he's blessed you to be able to accomplish. Because we've learned all summer how the work of our hands is worthless, but when God works through us, amazing things happen. So take some time to reflect on that, and I pray that you would have a wonderful holiday with your family and friends. On a less serious note, but, but a very happy note, still the same, college football is back. Anybody have a good day yesterday with college football? You know, my, uh, my Gators didn't do so hot yesterday, so it wasn't the best day, but it could be worse. I could be a Florida State fan. Just saying. So, had to throw it out there. Sorry. I really am glad that you're here this morning. You know, as fun as college football can be, as exciting as a holiday weekend is for all of us just to get that time away, I really look forward to our Sunday mornings and the time that we come together to celebrate as a church family, to be able to share together and worship. Those times are truly invaluable. In fact, I love just being able to see all of you on Sunday mornings and be able to interact with you and hang out with you. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Brian Legg. I'm part of our lead pastor team here at TBA. And if you know me very well, usually I'm out in the lobby or in the auditorium and kind of interacting with you, saying hello. In fact, I'm one of those guys that is kind of rough and tumble, likes a little bit of horseplay, always interacting with the youth boys, especially kind of beating on them and having a good time. Well, this morning, if you notice, I'm kind of hiding from all of that. Um, I had just a very, very minor surgery this past week, but I've got a row of stitches in my back, and I'm trying not to get slapped on the back because I can just see one of these boys especially taking advantage of that and going, ah, payback, I'm going to make the boy cry. So uh, if you see me hiding, that is why. All right, so let's dig in and let's see what God has for us today. This is going to be a little bit participate. I don't even know what that word is. I'm going to ask you to participate (laughs) this morning. Here's what I want to know. How many of you are involved in experiencing God by show of hands? Awesome. Hold your hands up. Keep them up. Keep them up. We're going to test your durability this morning. So how, you're involved in experiencing God. Okay, here's your accountability moment. How many of you were able to attend your first meeting this past week? Keep your hands up. Good. Now, how many of you either have completed or are at least on track with your homework so far this week? Good. Most of you still have your hands up. Very good. You can put your hands down. Glad to hear that. You know, this is, uh, I want to just really encourage you this morning, doing the homework is very important. That's the, the part of experiencing God that you cannot miss out on. And don't cheat on it. There's five days of homework, and it's designed to take five days to do, to spend those 30 minutes each day walking through that. It is designed to teach you what it looks like to have that quiet time with God on a daily basis and to walk in relationship with him. This is not a head knowledge course. It's truly a tool to open the door of relationship with God. So don't do like a lot of us tend to do and procrastinate everything and wait till the night before when it's all due and then do all of your homework at once because you're not going to get nearly as much out of it as if you do it along the way as we go. So one more accountability question. How many of you can recite your memory verse from this week? Well, a few less hands, but still some good ones. If you have class tonight or you're meeting with your small group tonight, you should have had your hand up just now. You should already know that. Now let me ask a bolder question. Who's willing to stand and recite their memory verse for me this morning? Wow, there went all the hands. Go for it, Melanie. Awesome. Awesome. 
Very good. We had one in first service too, so I appreciate your boldness, the way to stand up and do that. I know that's not easy in a group setting like this. We're going to really dig into that verse for that verse a little further this morning. I want to look at some of the context of it and what Jesus was communicating to us. And in fact, I'm going to share it out of the New Living Translation. You'll notice in the back of your uh, workbook as you're going through that, it is in the NIV format. And in fact, in case you're looking this up like on your scripture typer or your Bible app or something to try to help you with memory, it's actually NIV, the 1984 version. It's the older version of NIV. So you'll have to actually type that in to get it to come up word for word the way it is in your car. But they all say about the same thing, obviously. So here we go in NLT. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, the verse is pretty self-explanatory, but I want to back up and think about what is happening as Jesus is sharing these words. We see this in John 15, but just a couple chapters before in John 13, Jesus and his disciples are gathering in the upper room for the Last Supper as we know it. So this is Jesus' last opportunity to speak with his disciples before he's going to be tried and crucified. Now, think about it. When someone's coming to the end of their life and they know that they have very limited time on earth, the conversations become much more meaningful, don't they? The things that you might want to communicate with your loved ones, the people around you, they become very serious. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and he's telling them, I've been predicting this all along. My time's going to come to an end here on earth, but now's the time. This is for real. This is the night. It's over. And he's got these few last things that he wants to say to his disciples. And I can only imagine if you're one of the disciples, you're listening at this point. Because you know this is kind of like the final review before the big test, per se. You know, Jesus is sharing something with you that you know is important, that you want to connect to and you want to hear every word he's sharing. And so they're engrossed. They're listening to what's going on. And he shares several different things. But I want to share this one passage with you from John 15. And we're going to start with verse 1 and kind of walk through to give some context to this verse. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Here's the one we know. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, that seems pretty straightforward. You don't have to know a whole lot about plants to understand this concept, right? So take a look at this tree limb for a moment. This is a tree limb out of my very healthy live oak tree in my yard. Now it's interesting, my girls walked in the garage yesterday and saw this tree limb laying there and they were like, why is there a limb in our garage and what are you doing with it? I said, oh, it's a sermon illustration tomorrow. And they went, "Uh uh-oh. I said, well, we're talking about spanking and I'm going to bring a limb and we're going to really walk through what it looks like. They didn't buy it. But here's the truth of it. This limb is dead, of course. And it's not like Monty Python partially dead. It's like really dead. Dead, dead. Been dead a long time. In fact, this branch broke off from my tree about three months ago in a storm. It was a healthy branch, had all these leaves, was dropping acorns, was connected to a much bigger branch. 
and the storm blows through. And I noticed it three months ago when it got broke, it was just kind of hanging there. You know, it had broken away from the limb. It's hanging there loose. And I thought, hmm, I wonder when that's going to fall out. It was still just barely connected. And over the three months, you watched it die. You watched all the leaves wither away. There were no more acorns being produced. And then it began to look like this. And this past week, another one of those thunderstorms rolled through and blew it right out of the tree and left it laying in the grass in the yard like this, dead as can be. And we all know that that's what happens when a piece of the vine or a limb from a tree gets disconnected from the main trunk, from the source of life, it dies, doesn't it? And there is no recovery in those moments. It is dead. And Jesus is saying the same thing happens to us. We're exactly the same way. He is our source of life. He's the tree. He's the vine. And we are the branches. We're 100% dependent on him as our source of life. So why is it that we seem to have this tendency to want to do life on our own when we know and understand that we are the branch and he is our source of life and we know that we're dependent upon him? There was one particular section in the homework this past week that grabbed my heart. Maybe it grabbed yours too. It was on day three. And if you want to go back and look in your workbook, it's page 19 in the workbook at the bottom of the page. These are Henry Blackaby's words. He says this, we are a doing people. We always want to be doing something. Every now and then somebody will exclaim, don't just stand there, do something. You ever heard that phrase? In contrast, I think God's crying out to us, don't just do something, stand there. I bet you've not heard that very often. Enter a love relationship with me. Get to know me. Adjust your life to me. Let me love you and reveal myself through you to a watching world. A time will come when doing will be called for, but we cannot skip the relationship. The relationship with God must come first. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, John 15, 5. By the time we finish this morning, you ought to know your memory verse if you don't already, because I'm going to walk you through it over and over. Do you believe him? Without him, you can do nothing. He means that. See, I get this backward way too often. I get busy doing a lot of stuff, and I think God is often saying, don't just do something, stand there. Stop long enough to listen to me. Connect to me. Adjust your life to my purposes. In fact, that's been our theme here at TBA for the last year. That's what God was saying to us. We came back from a pastor retreat and shared that with you, that that was the burden God had placed on our heart, was that we were called as a church family to adjust our lives to God's purposes, to look and see what he was doing and be a part of that. I needed to hear that again this week. And I'll be bold enough to say that I think there's a lot of you that need to hear that too. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny. I was even asking Joni this past week as God was starting to put some things in my heart. I went, do you feel like we've said this over and over and over? Because you know, I feel like this is like that one message that I say almost every time I speak or I bring up somehow and I feel like I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face, but yet God still keeps putting it on my heart. Maybe we're just not getting it yet. Maybe I'm not getting it. Maybe that's the problem. And she just kind of laughed and she goes, you know, I think we could all stand to hear that from time to time. We need sometimes to not just do something, but to stand there and to hear from God. See, our reasons or our circumstances, they might look different. But I think this is a common problem among God's people. There are far too many times that we're busy doing stuff when we should just simply be sitting at Jesus' feet. There are far too many times that we're this dead branch And we're trying everything to to produce fruit. 
Our intentions are wonderful, but we're walking in the wrong direction. In fact, Andy Stanley talks about that in his book, Principle of the Path. And it's one of my favorite things that he says. He talks, and I'll get the, the exact wording of it wrong, but it's basically we can have the best of intentions, but if we're not walking in the right direction to reach those intentions, we'll never get there. And how many times do we do that? We've got the best of intentions. We have this destination in mind that we're going towards, but we're not walking in the right direction to get there. We're doing our own thing instead of God's thing. We're walking away from God rather than towards him. See, I can work 80 hours a week as a pastor. I can interact with every person that calls TBA home. I can pray over the sick. I can counsel the broken. I can give direction to leadership. I can do all of these things. I can work hard with the best of them. I can give my absolute best of talent and skill. But if I'm not connected to Jesus, if I'm not getting my direction from him, it's all in vain. And I want you to stop and chew on that for just a moment because that's not just a principle for pastors. That's for all of us. Every single one of us. If you're not connected to Jesus, if you're not spending time in relationship with him, if you're not allowing him to speak into your heart to know what he's asking you to do, you're wasting your time with everything you're doing. And I know that's a bit of a bold statement, but it's true. All the hard work that you might be accomplishing is of no value. Zero. In light of eternity, it's useless. Regardless of how important you might think it is here and now. A couple weeks ago, Dave made a comment to me that was a little bit hard for me to accept. And I know you guys probably see Dave and Brian and I as this, like the three amigos in this friendly, pally kind of situation. But the truth is, sometimes we say some really hard things to each other. And we hold each other accountable and we walk in that. And so we were in our staff meeting, having some conversations, and I was sharing about some things going on in life. And so he was kind of getting after me about being too busy. And he made this statement. He said, you might have to stop doing everything for a season so that God can show you what he really wants you to do. Now, if you know me very well, that didn't sit well. I took a deep breath. I wasn't real defensive in the moment. But I didn't like that. And it took some time for that to digest a little. And I'm not one who likes to stop doing. In fact, God's wired me to be a doer, a fixer, a helper. That's part of what he's given me and gifted me with that is good about me. But it's also sometimes my downfall. I like to constantly be getting my hands dirty, having my hands into things, being involved in things. In fact, Dave teases me all the time that I like to have my fingers in everybody else's pudding. That's his phrase. And it's, it's probably true because I'm always involved in something. I'm always wanting to be a part of it, be hands-on in it. But the truth is, if I'm not walking closely in relationship with Jesus and I'm not taking time to hear what he's saying to me, I'm just like this branch. I'm dead. And withered. In fact, when I threw this in the back seat of my truck this morning, several of the pieces broke off of it and they're still in my truck because it's so dead, so brittle, and it's been dead a long time. The truth is, if I'm not spending time with Jesus, I'm useless to his kingdom. Now, I don't see that very often because I'm a fixer and I've got a plan. And I can always figure it out and come up with some solution. So instead, I just hold on to something that Jesus said to me a while back, maybe last week or last month or three months ago or even a year ago. And I keep running and doing and acting and putting it to practice. And what that's really like is taking this dead branch and sticking it in a bucket of water 
and straining really hard to produce fruit and going, I can produce fruit if I just try hard enough. I'll find my own source of water. I'll find my own way to get through. I'll figure it out, and I'll produce fruit somehow. But I'm a dying branch. Determined that I can be healthy if I just try harder. Can you relate to that? Now, how many of you think that tree limb is going to produce fruit since I just put it in that bucket of water? Nobody? I mean, you don't think that dead limb is, is going to suddenly, like, put out apples or something? Of course not. We know better. Once a limb breaks off from the tree, once it's disconnected from its life source, it's done. It's dead, never to come back to life. And if we're not connected to Jesus, to our tree of life, there's not a drop of water anywhere that's going to give life to us or help us to produce fruit. Not going to happen. And here's a really hard truth to swallow. To be a Christian is to produce fruit. To be a Christian is to produce fruit. If there's no fruit, I would suggest that there's no true belief. Let that sink in just a second. If there's no fruit, I would suggest that there's no true belief. Jesus talks about this. He just said it to us in John 15, 2. He tells us that his father cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And later he says that those branches are gathered and placed in a pile to be burned. I don't want to be a branch that's dead and withered and placed in a pile to burn. I want to be alive and healthy and producing fruit. And that only happens when I'm connected to Jesus. And it's important to reiterate what I just said in case you missed it. That only happens when I'm connected to Jesus. Not when you're connected to your pastor. Not when you're connected to your super holy Christian friend. Not when you're connected to your parents. Not when you're connected to anything or anybody else. Only Jesus. And if you're not spending time walking in relationship daily with him, you'll never be the healthy branch that's producing fruit. You just won't. So what's that look like? I mean, what is this fruit that we should be producing? What are we even talking about? Well, we read about it in Galatians 5. Paul's words here, and he's talking about how the Holy Spirit works through us to produce fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, there's something really interesting in these two scriptures that we often don't see. Do you notice that the reference to fruit here is singular? And I even looked this up this week because I heard somebody else say this, and I went back and and dug into it a little bit, and the original Greek word here that's used for fruit is a singular word. It's a picture of all of this being fruit, a fruit. Now, we see nine different things that are represented here. But it's such a picture of unity. And the truth is, you can't have one without the other. Think about those things and how they go together. I mean, how can you have peace without patience? Not going to happen very well. How can you express kindness or gentleness if you don't have self-control? How are you going to experience true joy if you don't have love? All of these things connect. They work together. They're interconnected. It's this picture of how they kind of bleed into one another. And they're all a shining example 
of the very character of Christ. See, a tree is known by its fruit. The fruit that we're talking about this morning is the character of Christ. We should be a reflection of Christ to the world around us. And guess what? An apple tree doesn't produce oranges, vice versa. You can't have one fruit tree that produces a different kind of fruit. So if you're not producing this fruit, you're not reflecting Christ. Simple. If we are producing any other fruit, we are not bearing witness to Christ. And even when we are producing fruit, what does Jesus say? He says his Father is going to prune us so that we will grow and we can produce even more fruit. Why do we prune a tree or a vine or or some kind of plant? You prune it so that it will be healthier, so that it will fill out, so that it will grow more, produce more fruit. Think about it. You see a wild orange tree growing here in Florida? They'll produce oranges, but not a whole lot. And they'll look really ragged, and eventually they'll die out, and you only get a few oranges, and sometimes the oranges aren't very good. But you walk into a well-manicured grove here in Florida, and what do you get? You get trees that look pretty, that are full, that are leafy, that look healthy, that have great-tasting oranges, and you just want to reach up and pluck one of those and eat them because they've been pruned. They've had the stuff cut back that needs to be cut back so that they can continue to grow. I don't know anything about pruning a tree. I don't know how they do that and make it healthier, what you're supposed to look for, but that's not my job. A guy who really knows an orange tree, they know how to cut them back. They know how to prune them to make them healthy. And God's saying that's what he will do with us. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, if we really want to be healthy, we need to be pruned. But even more importantly, we need to be connected in the first place. We can't just be in a bucket of water as a dead limb. We've got to be connected to the tree, to the source of life. Because when we're connected to Jesus, he reveals things in our life that need to be pruned, areas that we need to change, thinking that needs to be transformed. Romans 12, 2. We come face to face with truth. And it changes us. As I was studying this past week, I was reminded of the letters that Jesus wrote to the different churches in the book of Revelation. And and in the beginning of Revelation, the first few chapters, he writes to seven different churches and he's identifying things about their health, things about the relationship that he has with them that they need to address. And he's inviting them to this healthy relationship. And one church in particular, the church of Sardis that we see in Revelation chapter 3 came to mind. And this is what Jesus says here. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. And I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. But I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit And understand what he is saying to the churches. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Ouch. That's accountability. But I wonder how many of us could fall into that category? We have a reputation for being alive. Others know us as a Christian. We might even look and smell like a Christian at times. We might behave like one at times. 
But in our heart of hearts, when you remove all the junk, where are we? Are we really connected to Jesus? Are we really walking in relationship with him? Are we allowing him to direct our steps? Are we a dead limb in a bucket of water that's straining to produce fruit and look healthy? Jesus says, wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I read that and I picture this limb hanging out of my tree, mostly severed, broken off, knowing it's dying. And there's not anything I can do. I mean, I could climb my tree and I could straighten it back out and I could duct tape it and do whatever I think I can do. And guess what? Duct tape doesn't fix everything. That was, I know it was hard for me too, but it's true. <laughs> duct tape can't fix everything. Wake up. This is not okay. You're not healthy. Don't keep trying to live this way. Come back to me. Come back to your first love. Experience me all over again like when you first turned your life over to me. Remember the excitement and the joy and the peace that washed over you when you surrendered your life. Walk with me in relationship again just like when we started this journey. See, for too many of us, we allow the distractions of life to disconnect us from the vine. And it doesn't really matter what your distractions are, whether you're too busy and can't connect, or maybe the polar opposite of that, you're just too lazy and don't do anything. It doesn't matter if you're doing good stuff like serving others or being the perfect parent or reaching out to people, or if you're blatantly sinning and living apart from God, anything that pulls you from the vine, anything that separates you from the tree, anything that keeps you from being connected to Jesus will kill you. Simple. And before you know it, you'll be this dead branch sitting in a bucket of water straining to produce fruit, and it's impossible to do it. You're dead. First service didn't get this. Maybe you will. I wrote this phrase in my notes, and I want you to hear the phrase, but I had to laugh this morning as I was reading back through my notes. I wrote, don't be a dead limb in a bucket. Connect to the vine. And as I read that, I flashed back to all the, I think it's direct TV, commercials on TV where they're talking about all the things that are missing on cable and it says, don't do this, do this, or be this. Okay, so nobody else thought it was funny either, but it was funny to me. But don't be a dead limb in a bucket. Connect to the vine. Man, you guys can come on up. See, TBA, over two-thirds of our church family signed up for and walking through experiencing God. That's exciting. That's huge. Two-thirds of our church family doing this all together. That's wonderful. And I know God has big plans. I know he's going to do some amazing things through it, but I want you to understand something. Experiencing God is not designed to take us to a destination. It's not a class that's going to give us some step-by-step process to be a better Christian. Experiencing God is designed to start us on a journey to help us develop relationship, to learn how to walk in that relationship so that God can give us direction along the way. And at the end of these 12 weeks, we're not going to arrive at any particular destination. Instead, we're going to be starting a journey. We're going to have some tools in our tool belt at this point to know what it looks like to walk in relationship. We will have learned, hopefully, how to have that daily quiet time with God, to hear his voice, to see how he's moving, to read his word, to experience him, to have a picture of what relationship looks like. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're realizing that maybe you've 
fallen away, you're kind of like that branch and you've broken off because of some storms that have come through and you're in a place where you feel like you're dying, where you're disconnected. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're listening and you're going, I don't even know what that looks like in the first place. I've never been connected like that. I've never experienced those things you're talking about. I would encourage you to do something about that this morning. Take some time. Come back to Next Steps. Pray with myself. Pray with Tim and Joni. Let us pray with you and talk with you about what it looks like. Or grab a friend that you know is connected, that you know is walking on that journey, and come here to the stage and pray. Or just pray there in your seats. But I want to paint a real picture for you. Because I think the church sometimes does a bad job of this. We paint this picture that you come to Jesus and it's like this, this switch flips. And all of a sudden everything's perfect and everything's hunky-dory and good and we're going to move forward and life's going to be good and nothing wrong is ever going to happen again. I'm sorry, but that's not true. Jesus even said, you're going to have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He said you will have trouble. But he also said, take hope because I've overcome the troubles of the world. And he is the hope that we're resting in, that we're walking in, that we can put our faith in. And see, here's the miraculous part of it. For me, this is just a dead limb. In fact, when service is over today, I'm going to take it out back and throw it over in the woods because there's nothing I can do with it. And it'll sit out there and rot and go away. But when we choose to connect our lives to Jesus, he promises new life. And he doesn't need duct tape. He can somehow put this back on the tree and make it come back to life and grow leaves and produce fruit and be healthy and be full and vibrant again. I can't do that. You can't do that. But he can. It doesn't matter what course I take on grafting trees or anything else related to that. I can't make this limb grow. But Jesus can. And I'll tell you this too. If you make a commitment this morning to walk with him in a relationship like that, I'm just going to warn you. Your life this week is probably going to be a little chaotic because Satan won't let that stand unopposed. And he's going to send every distraction he can, every temptation he can. He's going to hit you from every angle that he possibly can to push you away from that and keep you being a broken limb. So don't just take time to come and pray with one of us or even just to pray with your friend, but talk with somebody about what you're walking through. Share what God's saying to your heart. Share about the journey you're on and allow them to walk with you. That's why we have our Christian brothers and sisters. You know, almost every time in Scripture that it refers to the body of Christ or it talks about the church, every single time it's plural. It's talking about you all. We always do this together. Christ has called us to walk together as a church family to support one another, to encourage one another, to hold each other accountable. To say tough things like Dave said to me a couple weeks ago that make you step back and think, where am I in life? What are my priorities? What is most important? TBA, let's not be a dead branch trying to grunt out fruit. Let's connect to the vine and really produce fruit so that we can have an impact on God's kingdom as he's called us to do. If you will stand with me, I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to come and play a couple songs. And I just would encourage you, respond in obedience, whatever that looks like. Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to come back the next steps and pray. Maybe you need to get with somebody and pray. Maybe you just need to sit, sit and take some time and reflect. Do that.
but be obedient to whatever God lays on your heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have the opportunity to come and to worship, to be here in your house, God, to be with our Christian brothers and sisters, to experience what your kingdom looks like. Thank you that you love us enough, that that you want us to produce fruit, God, that you want us to stay connected to you, that you constantly are laying those challenges before us and those opportunities and the invitations. God, I'm thankful that you put people around us to say the hard things to us from time to time, that love us enough to not allow us to keep walking the path that maybe we've been walking before. God, I don't know what you want to say or what you want to do in our hearts this morning, but I simply pray that right now, this gathering of people, this your church, would stand before you with open hearts, ready for you to point out anything in us that may offend you. Search our hearts, oh God, as King David said. Search our hearts. Create in us clean hearts that are connected to you, that are following after you. No matter what we've done, where we've been, how we've lived our lives, allow us to connect with you and give us new life. Take that dead branch and connect it to the tree and allow us to be full and vibrant and growing and producing fruit for you. God, let us not take this lightly, but let us walk in the responsibility that you've called us to, to be your light to the world around us. May we stand before you this morning in obedience as you speak to our hearts. It's in your name we pray.